Our scripture reading this morning is found in the Gospel of Matthew, the 6th chapter, the 24th through the 34th verses. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink or for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But... If God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith, do not worry then saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things for your heavenly father knows You need all these things, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word this morning. We're coming to the end of a series we've been doing about the fact that you are not alone. And what Jesus is telling us here just really underscores the fact that you are not alone. He says, not even a sparrow falls that he doesn't know about it. He tells us in another place that the hairs on our head He knows the number of them. It gets easier for him to count mine all the time. The thing is, is that he is with us. You are not alone. And he's ensuring us of that, assuring us of that in the passage that we read today. And I love the way it starts out where it says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. And then he makes it clear what he's talking about. You cannot serve God and wealth. If you stop and think about that, there are a whole lot of people that spend their whole lives pursuing the stuff that God provides. Have you ever thought about that? It's all provided by God, and yet they worship the stuff instead of worshiping the God who has provided it. And because they're worshiping something lower than God, many times 
their intentions and their will can wind up being corrupted. Whereas if they were serving God and putting his kingdom first, then everything else that God provides would be provided in the right order and be in the right place. This morning, as we were driving in, every Sunday morning, and some other mornings as well, on the corner of West Green and I-10 Theater Road, where lots of times we have to stop at a red light, there is a man there with a sign explaining that he's disabled and he can't work and he needs help. His name is Derek, and we have uh, visited with Derek just in our car with the window rolled down so much. We've come to know him a bit, and I try to keep money, just some dollar bills or so, in the uh, compartment in the car so I can pop it open and pull out some money to hand to people that are standing there on the side of the road asking for help. Because the Lord says, give when asked. But Derek is a special case. And uh, he is truly disabled. His legs are this big around at the calf. He has to use a cane to walk. He cannot work. I mean, it's, it's good. It's, it's hard for him to hobble up and down and get help. But through the time that we've known him there, we've learned his name. And uh, he has a bit of a speech impediment, but he's just one of the most delightful people you'd ever get to know. And this morning, I'd given all my money away to some guys that helped jump off my car the other day, and uh, I didn't have any money. And so we wind up standing there, stopped there, and I just, I'm sorry, you know, made the motion. I'm sorry, don't have any money. He just walked over to the car. And I rolled down the one and said, I'm sorry, Derek, I already gave all my money away. I don't have any to give you. He said, it's okay. God will provide. It's all God's anyway. God will provide. He always does. Derek is a man of faith. And uh, the thing is, and I said, you know what? That's what I'm preaching about this morning. He said, it is. And uh, we got to talking. He said something else. Said, That's the first point I'm going to make. He said, oh, man. And on those little spindles of legs that he had, he was almost dancing. And we just had church right there while we were stopped at the red light. But the thing is, Derek knows that his source is God. And the thing is, Scripture tries to make that clear to us. Jesus tries to make that clear to us. The Old Testament makes it clear. You see, in every story of need that you see in the Bible, there is a miracle of provision. Have you ever noticed that? All through Scripture, every time that you see a story of need, you also see a miracle of provision. You see this over and over again. In the uh, gospel accounts, there's a time when thousands of hungry people were there on the hillside and the disciples were all worried and they were wanting to send them home. And uh, they basically asked Jesus, what are we going to do? And Jesus says, feed them. And say, well, we've got just a few loaves and some fish here. He says, feed them. And thousands were fed 
the disciples just took what they were given and it was enough. He blessed them. He multiplied. And this is just it. So many times God provides, he blesses, he multiplies, and he provides. In the Old Testament, the prophet Elisha was talking to a widow and she was scared for her future. She felt like she just didn't have enough and that she was afraid she was going to lose her home and everything. And the prophet said, what do you have? And she said, I don't have much at all. Maybe you feel like that sometimes. Just don't have much at all. She said, I simply have a small jar of olive oil. And he asked her to pour that into some containers. He said, gather up all the containers you have and start pouring oil into those containers. And you know, as long as she had containers to fill, God miraculously caused more and more oil to uh, come out and to uh, fill those. And she was able to sell all this olive oil and uh, make them pay the rent and uh, keep things going. Whether it's bread from heaven, meat delivered by birds, or a giant fish provided to rescue a rebellious man named Noah, in every story of need, there's a miraculous provision. You know, as I was uh, thinking about this, I remembered the story of a of a mom. She was uh, she had two sons. Supposedly a true story that happened somewhere here in Texas, where she was uh, a devout woman. She prayed all the time, and she prayed loud, and the neighbors knew uh, about her. And uh, one particular summer day, she sent her boys off to school. And she didn't have anything left to feed them when they came home. And she was praying loud. And it was in the summertime and the windows were open. And everybody around, all her neighbors could hear her praying. Oh, Lord, you know I have a need. Meet my need, Lord. And you know what? Her next door neighbor was an atheist that couldn't stand to even hear the word Lord mentioned. And he decided, I'm going to mess with this woman. And he went to the grocery store and he bought a bunch of groceries and he came back home and he slipped up on her porch and he put four bags of groceries there by her door, knocked on the door, scurried around the side of the house and hid around the corner. And she comes out and she sees this food and she said, oh, thank you, Lord. I knew you'd provide. My God is so good. And she was just praising the Lord and the Atheist jumped out around and said, you silly woman, there isn't any God. God didn't buy those provisions for you. I bought those for you. And she looked at him and she said, oh, Lord, you're even better than I thought. She said, what are you saying? She said, the Lord provided and he made the devil pay for it. <laughs> I want to encourage you today in Philippians, the fourth chapter, the 19th verse, Paul shared a great truth with the church in Philippi. He said these words and these words are for the church at San Philip this morning. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. 
Do you know that God is the giver of all good things? The Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above. This past week, Sharon and I, our devotional time, we're talking about Paul saying that he counted all things loss that he might know his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the things that he was counting as loss, you know what? God provided those things too. Now, one of the things that he counted as loss were his own righteousness and his own uh, 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 just uh, serving of the things that he had done. But it's the Lord that had even enabled him to do those things. And that reminded me of the story about the time sometime in the future where scientists decided that they need to just get rid of this God thing altogether. And they decided they were just going to tell God just to hit the road. And so they sent one of the scientists to meet with God and to uh, uh, tell him that they just didn't, people just didn't need him anymore. And so this scientist goes up there and the Lord was very gracious and welcomed him into his presence. And he said, what do you have to say? He said, well, we just decided, you know, we're just tired of all this literal Genesis stuff and uh, all this stuff about the Bible. And humanity has gotten to the point now where we can clone human beings and we can take care of ourselves and we just don't need you anymore. And the Lord said, oh, is that so? I said, okay, well, why don't we just have a, a contest? And uh, if you win, I'll just bow out. If I win, things are going to go on as they are. And the son said, okay, said, okay, let's have a man making contest and uh, let's do it the old fashioned way. Let's do it like I did it back in the Garden of Eden. And so the son said, okay. And uh, and God said, okay, now you go first. And so the son said, all right. And he reached down, he started grabbing some dirt and uh, the Lord said, oh, uh, 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 no, 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 no. What are you doing? He said, well, I'm getting some dirt. He says, use your own dirt. That's mine. And see, the thing is, we need him. Everything we have, even the basics of life, the very fact that we can breathe, it all comes from him. Before we dive into this idea that I want to get across to you this morning of God being a miraculous provider, there's one thing that uh, I have to acknowledge from Scripture, and that's this. God promises to meet our needs. He never promises to meet your wants. And there's a big difference between what you need and what you want, isn't there? Uh, and yet we tend to struggle with this idea, God, where are you? Because we misinterpret what we're expecting him to do. How many of us know the difference between what we need and what we want? I'm not going to ask you to put up your hands today for that one. Let's give you an example. We all need clothes to wear. But what we want is Nike, Louis Vuitton, Hermes. That's the way I'm supposed to say I've been told that's the way you say it. H-E-R-M-E-S. Uh, Gucci, Izod, and Adidas. That's what we want. 
We need rest, but what we want is a 14 day uh, all inclusive resort overlooking the emerald blue, emerald blue, emeralds are green, emerald green ocean, right? We need a house, we need shelter, something to live in. And what we want is an urban farmhouse designed specifically by Chip and Joanna Gaines, right? That's what we want, but it's not necessarily what we need. There's a difference, you see. Now then, there are three principles of the miracles of God's provision. And if you look around, you see him miraculously providing for you all the time. And I want to look at three of them. And the first one, when God guides, he always provides. When God is the one guiding you, his provision is always going to follow. This is what he promised the children of Israel if they would follow his ways. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. That's found in Isaiah 58, 11. It says the Lord will guide you always. So as he's guiding, what does it say here he's going to do? It says, then he will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. When everything around you is barren, the God of the universe is going to provide your needs when you're being led by him. Now, understand this. He doesn't respond to your ambitions. He simply provides for his will. And when you're walking in sync with his will and his purpose, his provision will be there. It will always be there. Sharon and I can attest to that. We chucked it all. We started over from scratch. And it got so bad one point, you talk about being down to the nubbins. I was driving along and had a quarter tank of gas in the car and hadn't even started to go to seminary yet. And I was about to fail, just getting started. And as I was driving on the Central Expressway in Dallas, Texas, I said, God, if this doesn't work out, we're both going to be embarrassed. And then I had to laugh at myself because I knew God wasn't going to embarrass himself. And I went home and I pulled a check out of the mailbox that was just enough to tide us over and get us to the first paycheck that was going to be coming on, coming in in our new home. God provides. When he guides, he provides. I just sometimes wish he'd do it sooner. You know, I mean, it's just right to the nubbin, right when you get to it. That's when he does it. And I, ah, it's just, it's so hard. I still am 73 years old and I'm still trying to get hold of this, but it's true. He's brought us this far by faith and he's going to see us on home, but he will provide. Now then, some of you might be thinking, God, where are you? I've got a mortgage that's due at the same time my car payment's due and I've planned a vacation that I felt led by the Spirit to book 
not even knowing how I was going to pay for it. And I still need to pay off Christmas of 2014. Where are you, God? Well, if that's you, let me suggest or ask, is it possible that God has provided for your needs and you took the provision and spent it on your wants instead of on your needs? If you clean out your purse pockets or your your purse or your pockets, I have learned, and uh, take all the sales receipts that you've accumulated and you put them in chronological order and you staple them together, you know what you wind up with? You wind up with a nifty little booklet that tells the story of why you're broke. Okay. Here's the thing. God's provision is not a get-out-of-jail-free card for our stupid financial decisions. It's just not. And I believe that God is calling us this morning to a place of understanding what His promises are and just letting those flow into our lives. Abraham and his wife Sarah longed for one thing, a son. This son was promised to them by God. And he was promised that that son was going to be, that through him, Abraham was going to be the father of many nations. And they prayed and they waited. They prayed, they waited. They tried different things and they waited. And then the promise came. Ultimately, after a long time, Isaac was born, and then Abraham is put to the test by God. He tells Abraham to take this son of promise to the mountain and offer him as a sacrifice. Just imagine walking up that mountain. Isaac has seen his father uh, make sacrifices and worship God before, and he's carrying the wood. And he looks around, and he says, uh, Where's the sacrifice? And Abraham responds in Genesis 22, verse 8, and says, God himself will provide the lamb. Now, do you see the faith in that? So they go up the mountain, they build the altar, and faithfully God lays his son, the son that he's prayed for, the son that he's hoped for. He lays him on the altar and he raises the knife. Now, in our culture, this doesn't make any sense, I know. But it was different back then. At this time, it was a totally different story. And the moment his knife goes up, the Bible says an angel appears and says, Don't lay a hand on that boy. For I know now that you fear God. Now, here's where the provision comes. Verse 13 of Genesis 22. Abraham looked up. And he looked over, and in the thicket, he sees a ram with its horns tangled in the bushes. He goes over, and that's the sacrifice that was provided by God. So Abraham named this mountain, he named this place, one of the names of God, Jehovah-Jireh, the God who provides, the God 
who provides. That's one of God's names. That's one of the major aspects of God. He is our provider. So what do we know? We know that Abraham was fixed in the will of God. He was fixed on it. He answered his son before he even reached the top. God will provide the lamb. You see, when God guides, God provides. What we often struggle with, if we're honest, is not being fixed on God, but being fixated on what we lack. And if that's where the lens uh, that you're looking through is aimed, if you're looking through that lens, you look at your life through that lens, you're going to see what you describe as an unfaithful God. But he's always keeping his promises. When God is the one guiding you, his provision will be there. You're going to have moments where you fear, moments where you freak out. But his provision is always going to be there so long as he is leading and you are obeying. When God guides, he always provides. Now, I must say, it got so close one time, I just had to pray. Like I said, if this doesn't work, we're both going to be embarrassed. And he came through, you see. He came through. He provided We were willing to follow him when it looked shaky and do what he told us to do. Now, the second thing, God miraculously multiplies what is given. This seems to be the way the Lord works through us more than any other. Sometimes God's going to do it all by himself. Like when he saved Jonah, he did it single handedly. The Israelites were uh, out in the wilderness and God provided manna from heaven. He did that single-handedly. But sometimes God wants to build your faith. Sometimes God invites you to be a part of his miracle. And how does he do this? He simply asks you to give. You may think you're in need even. You may not think you have enough. And he says, don't forget to give. He asks you to give. And then what do you do when you're willing to give? He miraculously multiplies what you give. The widow pours the oil. And when did the multiplication happen? Did it happen before she poured it or after she poured it? It was as she poured it, you see. Sometimes it's right up to the end, you see, right there. When when did the multiplication happen? When she poured it? Uh, when did the loaves and fish multiply? As they distributed it, they just kept reaching in there and pulling more out. When did the water turn into wine? As it was being poured. When did Abraham become the father of many nations? Many argue that it was the moment that they offered to God his first and only son. This is a miracle in the adventure of being a follower of Christ. It's a miracle of God's multiplication, and he's simply inviting you to be a part of that miracle. 
Our God always miraculously multiplies what's given. Paul writes about this to uh, Corinthians in uh, verse 10 to in 1 Corinthians. He says, this generous God who supplies abundant seed to the farmer, which becomes bread for our meals. See, multiplication uh, is already happening. Uh, it's even more extravagant towards you. First, he supplies every need plus more. Then he multiplies the seed. You know when he supplies the seed? When you sow it. If you don't sow it, if you don't throw it out in the dirt, you don't get more seed. Isn't that amazing? If he multiplied it before we sowed it, it wouldn't require any faith. And the whole point of this is for us to grow in our faith. So God multiplies as we sow. The principle goes way back to the tithe. Now, some people believe that the tithe was part of the Levitical law, but it was there uh, in place in the Bible 400 years prior to God giving Moses the law. And then it was reaffirmed by Jesus in the New Testament. There are very few things that declare in your own life that God is your provider, like honoring him with a tithe. The tithe is the first one-tenth of our income. You see, it's not just 10% of your income. It's the first. It's always the first of your income because God always has to be first. Now, church, I'm telling you today, for some of you, this is a brick wall that you're hitting against uh, and you're going to hit up against it until you're willing to fully trust him. Now, does God need that 10%? No. As we've said, he's even even made the dirt that that scientist was trying to make a man out of. You know, he doesn't need anything from us. This is to teach us. And so he can bless us because you see, that's a part of his guiding. As he guy as, as you follow his guiding, he provides. With us, one of the places that it hits more quickly than anywhere else, and more just graphically than anywhere else, for me in particular, is Christmas time. We have four kids, and they have kids. We got a lot of people to buy stuff for for Christmas. And uh, sometimes it's like Christmas before last, it was so tight that we just really were just trying to stretch our money and all. And Sharon and I agreed on a very small amount to give each other when we wanted to give extravagantly to each other. And so I prayed about it. And then I went looking online. And before it was all over, let's see, Sharon wound up with uh, a 16th century drawing from the Durer School of the Annunciation, a Monet, a Modigliani, a Renoir, a, a Degas, and some other painter. I can't remember his name. But anyway, I just went on. I started bidding on these drawings for, by these famous artists, and I won them. One's valued, evaluated at $20,000. And I got it for about 25, you know, I mean, it's just, 
God will, he, 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 he multiplies our money like that. It's incredible. He knows, Sharon says, he just shows us good deals. You know, <laughs> that's the way Sharon puts it. And she loves a good deal. Now then this past, so this past Christmas, again, it was extremely tight. And so uh, we prayed. And we went out shopping with the little money that we had left. And we found the most incredible sale on at the Kate Spade store. And you know, Kate Spades aren't cheap. All of the women in our family wound up with Kate Spade, $200 Kate Spade purses. I mean, we didn't have that kind of money. And it was going to be the bleakest Christmas ever. And the Lord blessed our family incredibly. You know, I mean, it's just, it's amazing how if you're trying to do what he wants you to do. And I think the Lord just loves Christmas time because it's a time for giving. And I think it always says he loves a cheerful giver, you know, and that's a time of giving. And I think that he just underscores that for us at Christmas time. It just shows us Christmas miracles like that every year. Now, number three, the last one. And this to me is the most exciting, the number three. And uh, this is it. You might be a part of God's miraculous provision. As you give, you never know how you're going to be blessing someone else. I mean, just just think about that. Just think, giving here at this church even, you know, uh, often God uses what he entrusts to you to be a blessing or an answered prayer for someone else. People all over this area, area are going to be touched and blessed on Easter morning at the sunrise service that you folks are going to pull off. People's lives are changed at our sunrise service from time to time. And it wouldn't happen if you didn't give of your energy and your resources and shared them with others. You bless, you've been blessed to be a blessing, you see. People in need are blessed through our Society of St. Stephen's ministry. And uh, Bobby is just so good, and so many of y'all work so well in all of that. There's no telling how many people have been blessed, and prayers have been answered through your Society of St. Stephen's ministry. People hear this podcast in places where it's illegal to even talk about Jesus, People hear the good news and come to know the Lord because this church provides a platform for that message to go out. A while, many, many years ago, uh, Sharon and I were driving between Jacksonville and Kilgore, or Kilgore from Kilgore, we're heading to Dallas, and we ran across a young couple with a couple of kids stranded on the side of the road. Their car had broken down. And they were from, I believe, Australia. And uh, they were missionaries. And they had some radio equipment that had to be gotten to an airport in Tyler by a certain time to be flown out to a radio station, that were to 
a, a, a mission that was establishing a radio station in Puerto Rico. And if they didn't get that there by the time the plane was supposed to load it up and take off, take off with it, they were going to lose the money that they'd spent for the transportation. Anyway, everything was going to fall apart and the ministry was going to be delayed like by years. And so they, uh, we just, all we did was take them in and give them a ride and they were able to get on the, we didn't have cell phones back then. And so they had to get somewhere where they could call somebody else to come and take this load on to where it needed to go. And, uh, we were able to help them get that done. Years later, probably about four years later, Sharon and I were blessed with a trip with a, with a cruise. Uh, it was a Caribbean cruise and we were flying over from where we're going to, we we're on the plane to Puerto Rico. And, uh, I wound up sitting by a guy that he just didn't even want to talk to anybody. And I noticed that every time he spoke, he spoke in Spanish. And so I decided, well, probably he just didn't talk to anybody because they couldn't understand him. And so I spoke to him in Spanish and he answered back and we got to talking and, uh, he discovered I was a minister and he just said, the Lord is so good. He said, you know, I've just been, I'm, you, you don't know who I am, but it turns out that this guy's name was Gilberto Mondroik. And he was like the Frank Sinatra of Puerto Rico. And uh, he had just been singing. He had been flown in by like a multimillionaire to sing at an engagement in, uh, uh, in, in Houston. And then the guy that made the arrangements abandoned him and he didn't, he was, he had a hard time. He was getting on a plane to get back home. And, uh, he said it was all very disconcerting, but the Lord has just placed you here to remind me that he's with me. And, uh, he began to share about how his career had hit the skids one time because of drinking. He'd gotten back on his feet. And then he was saved and he loved the Lord. Now he was saved through the ministry of a radio station <laughs> that he heard. And it was the only Christian radio station in Puerto Rico. And it was the radio station. You see, it says, cast your bread upon the waters. And after many days, it'll come back to you. And so we got to see the fruit of the ministry that this young couple was given their lives to. And the Lord, we gave a little bit. We just gave of our time and a ride. But you see, the Lord used us to bring about the miracle of salvation in someone that never, the way he worked, he never had an opportunity to go to church and hear the gospel. But he listened to the radio all the time. And he heard the gospel message through that radio station. And it's the same with you. Sometimes you'll help somebody and you don't know what a difference they're going to make in somebody else's life. And so as we wrap things up, you know that uh, where the God guides, he provides, he multiplies as you give. And you may get to be a part of of somebody else's prayer. And the Lord will use you. He blesses you to be a blessing. 
Closing up, here's the, the difference between fear and faith. Fear asks, what if I run out? Faith asks, what do I have to give? Fear says, I can't afford to tithe. Faith says, 90% with God's blessings goes farther than 100% without. Fear says, I don't have enough. Faith says, my God is more than enough. I encourage you today to remember, internalize, and believe what the scripture says. And my God will meet all your needs according to his riches and his glory in Christ Jesus. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.